you've joined Pathways to Resilience, the podcast where real people share real stories, helping us build our playbook toward resilience. And now here's our host, Melissa Santos. Welcome back to Pathways to Resilience. We are continuing our conversation um, about the truths about sexual assault during Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And today I am joined by Susanna Torres, who is a survivor of sexual assault herself and also the mother of uh, two daughters who are survivors of sexual assault. Um, And I just want to give a trigger warning um, that this may be a difficult episode for for some of you to listen to. Um, And so we will be talking about sexual assault within families. Um, And if now is not the time for you to listen, um, we hope you'll join us next time. So welcome, Susanna. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here. I'd like to just start with you telling us how sexual assault has impacted you and your family. Uh, Sexual assault has impacted my family and I tremendously. Uh, We are in a traumatic family crisis that has changed my family dynamics from being a united family, so I thought, to to a divided family. Mm. Uh, Really a complete night and day. It all happened so quickly, a transformation that no one is, is ready for. I didn't know the magnitude of the impact when my oldest daughter told me at the doctor's office, um, I'm sorry, mom, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you that that touched me. And I, I couldn't really grasp what, what she was telling me for, for a minute. I, I thought she was telling me she was sorry for the divorce. Um, I was going through a, a separation at that time. A year had passed since the mm-hmm. separate. Uh, so I just kept telling her, no, 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 Mija. Um, Mija means my my child. <laughs> this is not your fault. Um, I'm sorry if you've seen me sad. I'm sorry. And then she said, no, no, I didn't tell you that touched me. So at that moment, I just looked up and the nurse asked me if I was aware of it. and. Of course, I was not. But I looked up because for a whole year, I kept, um, I'm a woman of a prayer. So for a whole year, I was praying that, okay, you know, my ex-husband's probably going through a midlife crisis. Um, let us reunite again. I just looked up and, and, I, and I thanked God. I said, thank you. Thank you, God. Now I know why we are where we are. It was meant for him to leave. He had to leave. Mm-hmm. Find out. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was thanking God, and then, and then from there, it's, it just, it became a a, a roller coaster, um, because my daughter was, I want to say she was twenty four years already, or or maybe going to be twenty four years old. Uh, the doctor did tell her that. He didn't have to call file a police report that it was that we that's something we could do at home. Uh, she was over the age of 18. Yes, because she was not a not a minor. Um, so then and the reason why I had taken her to the doctor, I had taken her to the doctor because 
she was pretty much, um, uh, I don't want to say unresponsive, but in a way unresponsive for about a week. And I just really shut down. Yes, completely. I just thought she was in this severe depression that I thought, oh, let me take her to my doctor and not her doctor. Because if I would have taken her to her doctor, they would have taken her to um, to a psych, um, the psychological, is it called the psychological hold? Or psychiatric? A psychiatric hold. Uh-huh. Because that had happened to her the year prior. So, so that's why I thought, okay, I'm, we're not going to take her to the emergency room. Um, I'm going to take her to my doctor. And then that's when I found out as soon as we left the, as soon as we left the doctor's office, her being the oldest of my six children, um, just very motherly nature already. Mm -hmm. uh, She was thinking of, of her siblings and she did say, she, she said, you know what, mom, um, Let's wait until next month uh, because to say anything to them. Yes. To file a report because the following month, it was going to be my youngest daughter and my youngest son's first communion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she didn't want this memory of, of this taking place and, and, you know, in what she said there, you know, such a special date for them. So I agreed with her. And then from there, it just one just all the family events was another reason to okay, uh, let's wait. My third child, who is a son, was graduating from high school, and you know all the different milestones that were taking place in the family. We just kept and and I blame myself for that because I should not have allowed her to pretty much like not come through. I guess. Um, but there's no playbook for this, right, Susanna? Like, there's no... What Can I just go back to, for a moment, what was it like in that, that moment, be, be, beyond you just hearing her, not even actually having to have her tell you a couple of times to even let it sink into your brain, it sounded like. And then after thanking God, what was your initial... What is that like to have your child tell you that? Oh, the first thing that comes to to your mind is, is, um, is blame. Hey, because you know, I, I thought, how did I allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. When, when did this happen? What, what did I not pay attention to? That you know, I missed the red flags. Uh, so yes, yeah, so uh, so I started questioning myself. Where did I, where did I fail? Mm-hmm. Where did I fail? Yeah, so difficult. Yes. So fast forward and um, you do finally file a report. Yes, uh, finally filed a report. Um, two years went by. Mm, so there were a, there was a, quite a delay. Quite a delay, quite a delay. Uh, and it happened because my daughter fell into another episode where, um, you know, she was just in that traumatic state again. Mm-hmm. and. I couldn't find her that day. She had been at her new job. Uh, it was only her fourth day at the new at her new at her new job. Um, so for her not to report um, or not not that's done right, more like to communicate with me. Yeah, you know, yeah. We communicate um, 
a few times during the day. And since she didn't communicate, I I was worried. But then I thought, okay, well, you know, she is at a new position. She's in training. Um, and then finally, when she didn't pick up my youngest daughter from school because she picked her up from, from her after-school program, um, you know, assisted me in, in that. When my youngest daughter called me and said, you know, mommy, uh, my sister hasn't picked me up. Mm. At that point, I I was so worried. I was so worried for for her life. Just worried. She was answering my calls. Um, pretty much nowhere to be found. Mm. I called my parents, my siblings. No one had heard of her until I contacted her her best friend because they mm. carpooled. And then they came home found her at home. Thankfully, she never left the home. She never went to work. And then they, we met at a restaurant because she was very hungry. And then when my younger daughter and, and I arrived is that's when she, she was speaking, but there was no speech. So I just leaned the over coming out. No, I think it was just, you know, she was still in that state yeah. where she was not really uh, responding well. Mm-hmm. So I just leaned my head over and I was able to hear her say, um, mom, I'm ready. I'm mm. ready for this because it's killing me. And, and I said, okay, Mia. Uh, and then right when you know you're, you know, you're about to experience a, a complete another change, what's coming Towards us, um, I kept. I started thinking negative for a minute. Mm. You know, I'm going to lose my children, my sons. I have a younger, older daughter and younger daughter, and then four sons in between. Mm. So of course, I thought about them too. I thought about them, um, but a few months prior, my sister-in-law had asked me, um, "You know, how are you able to?" handle this and and I told her um you know I don't wish this on anybody I'm writing between the there's a saying in Spanish but it translates to the the sword and the wall Mm. my sons are in one side and my daughters are on the other side and my two younger sons um had already been living with my my ex-husband so they were already distancing themselves from me so it had come out in the family even though you hadn't reported it to authorities and at what point I know you mentioned that your second daughter you found out that both it was both of your daughters that had been yes affected at what point did you find out that your second daughter was also molested or sexually assaulted uh it wasn't until about three weeks later after the After the report was filed. Okay. After the report was filed. um, And not only my my younger daughter, um, my nieces, three of my Mm. nieces from my sister. Mm -hmm. Yes, three Mm -hmm. daughters, one son and and my three nieces of um, my sister came forward as well. Um, Yes, my older daughter's bravery allowed everyone else that was not able to come forward you know how how many years 
after you said your daughter was 24 when when did this when did this happen about can you talk, can you say that when did the assault happen yes you know i i don't know okay I don't know. I know I can read the police reports. I know I can, the trial, you know, it was a lengthy trial. I know I can, I can go ask for those reports, but I'm not ready for that. I, yeah, I understand. I understand. And at the end of the day, you're here, you're, you're really in the present trying to support them. Um, I mentioned in the opening um, that, you also are a survivor of sexual assault. And when we talked in preparation for this, I was just really struck, well, just by that, that how common this is, and yet within one family to see so much pain and trauma. How did, how did the shame and trauma that you were carrying from your own experience as a child impact how you were able to support your daughters? Uh, for me, actually, it, it pretty much did the contrary. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to be my mom. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be my ex-mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring up my ex-mother-in-law because two of my sister-in-laws and a niece on his side of the family um, are also survivors. So I was made aware by by my sister-in-laws that their mom knew. So for me, it's, I, I didn't want to be my mom, you know, my mom out and she didn't do anything. Uh, for me, the, where the, the fear and the shame came about was more um, where I was blaming myself, knowing that I had been a victim of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Why did I not notice anything? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, okay, she's an expert in and that, and, and, and I wasn't, uh, but I, I, I knew I, mom and my, my ex-mother-in-law too. Yeah. And I asked that, um, Susanna, because I think it's just so, it's so common. And we, we heard about it even in the podcast before this, when the solutions to violence team was talking about things. It's also just interesting how your daughter said, you know, I'm not ready to report. And just as, as victims, survivors, right. That we, can take on um, the role of protecting others while at the same time, as your daughter said, having it kill kill us inside to protect others and somehow take that on as if we have some sort of blame and blame ourselves. Um, and I think it's really easy for people on the outside to say, how could she not have known? How could you not know? How could you not know? And yet, this is happening in so many, so many families um, across socioeconomic barriers, across races, across religious beliefs. Um, and then, yeah, and just to be kind of sitting with, you know, how did I, how did I not know? And how did I not see the signs? But you didn't. Yes. I, right. Like, and most people don't. <laughs> um, right. You, you didn't. Right. And most people do. So how did you come to a place of forgiving? Have you forgiving yourself for that? Cause it, you, it sounds like, and from what, again, I've only met you one other time, but that you have been a fierce ad and continue to be a fierce advocate 
for your daughters and for others. I mean, that's why you're here talking with me today, not because this is easy, but I know it's become really important to you to, to speak about this. So where, 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 how did you forgive yourself? I I pretty much questioned myself. What are you going to do about it? Mm. Uh, You're going to go through the storm. Are you willing to go through it? And, you know, I, I pretty much said, you need to, you need to stop this, this, mm-hmm. the, uh, the sexual assault from, from him. Mm-hmm. And you did? Yes. Mm-hmm. How are your daughters doing today? Uh, you know, we, we don't talk about the, the sexual assault at all. Everything, all of our conversations are always um, positive conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm doing wrong by not bringing it up, but mm-hmm. I just, you know, that's something that more of a, a therapist or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, mm-hmm. or even though I'm, I'm a victim or mm-hmm. survivor, but uh, I just, I, I know that that makes them sad because as I told you, um, my, I'm still in this family crisis. Yes. Our four, my four sons are not in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's been, it was reported in, 2019, mm. 2019. So it's been four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four years. Uh, maybe the healing would have started a little bit sooner, but then of course, 2020 came and with all the, the trials were, were delayed. Mm-hmm. So we were part of that, um, that delayed, or this case was part of that, that delay. And does the case continue now? No. So the case, um, it was in January, 2022, uh, when the trial ended, he was not arrested at that moment, which was pretty, pretty shocking. Even the DA was, was shocked. Um, and at that moment I, I did, I did ask God what happened guilty of so many counts, what happened? And then, then I said, I think you're doing this because you allow this to happen because he's going to be incarcerated for a long time. Need him now. Hmm. So from January, mid-January, actually like the third week in January 2022, again, with the courts being delayed, he did not get sentenced until August of 2020. Wow. And and that was after he had been convicted. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, I did. I, I was very, very cautious in, in um, you know, for my own safety. Mm-hmm. From, don't go running out at, um, I love running. And that, and that, you know, that helps my mental, my, my mental health and, and mm-hmm. my body health as well. But I, I stopped running at night. Running at night, I, I was very cautious in, in, what can I do to protect my daughters and myself? Mm-hmm. You know, look out for your surroundings. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's another just important message to get out is, of course, the COVID delay, but even often without it. Just So here your daughter told you, and then two years went by before she was ready to report and you were kind of taking her lead on that. Yes. And then another three years 
before the for the, of a court process. And during that court process, as we talked about again in our last episode, there's a lot of testifying. I mean, very, very vulnerable and raw period of time for a survivor to have to prove herself um, and prove that things happened. So I can only imagine it, it's just a traumatic, it continues the trauma, continues the crisis, as you said. Yes. Yeah. Even though you knew it was the right thing to do and she was ready. Um, and so he was convicted and he, he was sentenced. Yes, he was sentenced um, because he had a prior um, a felony. Mm. So because he had a felony, his sentencing was doubled. He did. He did ask for court to file a um, Romero motion. Mm-hmm. Romero motion. So I read about it. And and that's actually what it was, is for the um the judge to to dismiss that the automatic um, doubling of the sentence. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, mentally I was prepared, okay, 15 years mm-hmm. mentally. And he was sentenced because everything was doubled. He was sentenced for a total of 192 years. Wow. Yes. What was that like to hear that? Um, you know, I still haven't really processed it. Yeah. I, I'm still in shock. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I, I'm still in shock because, you know, again, I did question myself for a minute. I said, okay. Uh, very, very close friends told me if you continue uh, supporting this sexual assault, um, you may never gain your sons back. Mm. So I, I did question that. Did I do the right thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that's really just more of your 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 mind just just um, trying to manipulate your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then and then I said, no. If that's the time he got, of course he won't live to you know to be 190 mm-hmm. years incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just thought, I have four sons. God gave me six children, four sons, and my four sons are united. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live with that right now, knowing that they have each other. Mm-hmm. I do occasionally send them texts. I call them and I know there's not going to be any response. I want to let them know, you know, I'm here. And so they are struggling with believing that their dad did this or just angry that, I mean, and you may, you don't know, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I think the, 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 when the report was made and all of this came out is when the relationship got um, cut off. Is that correct? That, that is correct. Yes, I don't have any idea what their emotions are. Mm-hmm. My letter to the judge, um, I had to write, we all had to, well, we didn't have to write a letter, but if you chose to write a letter to the probation department so they can, so it could be read at the sentencing, in my letter, I, I pretty much addressed it to, to him, telling him, um, you say you love our sons. You care about them. Please help them heal. Mm-hmm. Tell them the truth. It's all on you. They, they too need to begin healing. I th- Thank you for sharing all of this. I know it's not easy. I also think this is such the, the shadows of, when we 
see in the news or hear that someone's been sexually assaulted and the person um, who gets convicted and sentenced and like that's the end of the story kind of thing. When in fact, the ripple effect through your family, um, because as you're saying, each member of your family, including yourself, is finding their own path to healing, hopefully, right? Right. And is impacted in a different way. Um, and I know you would had said it was not just your sons. There's been a lot of family relationships that have been have been split up because of because of you and your daughters coming forward with the truth and with justice. Yes. Yes. Um, his own two sisters, uh, they pretty much were disowned by his side of the family Mm. and my niece, his two sisters and my, my sister-in-law's daughter, who's my niece. Um, you know, we're all going through, through this in, in our own way, but definitely, um, definitely this, this has caused a lot of broken hearts, broken families. Mm-hmm. What does healing and resilience look like to you today? Today is, it's, it's more where live in the present. You know, what do I have control of today? Mm-hmm. Um, as a child, I used to love this song in our, um, in the Sunday mass. And it's, it's called, um, well, in Spanish, you know, un día a la vez, one day at a time. Mm. And since the moment he was arrested in 2009, 2019, I'm sorry, June, 2019, that's the first thing I said mm-hmm. when I find my sons, um, I thought CPS was going to bring my, my minor sons to me and I, there were nowhere to be found, um, that song just came to me and, and I pretty much, I actually sing it <laughs> mm. daily on a daily basis. Um, and, and that's what it is. It's one day at a time. Mm-hmm. It's all that I ask of you, uh, you know, addressing it to God, give me the strength to live one day at a time. So that's what resilience does to me is live the present. Just what I have control of. Yeah today uh you know yesterday the past already happened i'm not gonna dwell on it um and just just today just today keep the joy um i'm a very joyful person that mm-hmm. i do tell that to myself you know continue to be joyful i love music listen to music and and how can i be a positive energy to my own family and, and anyone and anyone that surrounds me. Yeah. So I, I often say it like to just find the next joyful thing. Right. And even when we're not in a place where we're feeling the joy, it's like, okay, how do I go look for an opportunity for the next joy filled thing? Yes. Yeah. Very family oriented. So uh planning family events. Mm-hmm joy to me and, and my loved ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you had to go back, would you, I, I mean, I, I think the message out there for anyone that's listening that may either be someone who hasn't said anything or be a child who hasn't told a parent or 
Um, what what would you say to them? Or a parent who hasn't believed their child and is listening to this? I would say to them, um, you know, believe. Believe no one wants to make up something, this type of lie. No one wants to be in a court setting talking about their, you know, their body. Mm-hmm. And be hopeful, strong, and definitely have a support group too. We definitely need a support group. Yeah. Well, and and with you sharing your story so bravely, it also allows people to know that they're not alone. And um, I guess there's there's two sides to that. One, we wish this wasn't as common as it is, um, but also that people aren't alone and they're not the only ones going through this. They're not the only ones. Um, and so to reach out, there are people, there are people out there to help and to support. Thanks yeah. for being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, with sexual assault, it's so common that it happens with, uh, you know, with people that you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily strangers, mm-hmm. your own family members, mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Yep. Super yeah. common. Be very, very cautious about that. You know, look, be alert for all the, the signs. Yeah. Well, I thank you for your time and your words. I wish you and your daughters and all your and your sons, all your family members to continue to find the next joyful thing, the next step in your healing. And I know that someone or someones out there will hear this and it may give them the courage to come forward or uh, feel validated in their own experience. And uh, it's really powerful. So thank you so much for, for talking with me. Thank you. Thank you for, for inviting me. Hmm. What a huge thank you to Susanna for being willing to share her story. I hope um, for those that were able to listen that um, if you have not experienced sexual assault or uh, wondered how it could happen, that this was eye-opening to understand um, understand that. And um, if you're someone that has been holding it in, that perhaps it did make you feel less alone and um, perhaps inspired you to reach out for support Help is available. Confidential help is available. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673. And that's available 24 hours a day. Um, You can call, you can chat, and you'll be routed to your local sexual assault service provider wherever you live. Thanks again for listening. Answered by trained staff. They, again, provide confidential support. It doesn't mean that you're needing to file a police report or anything uh, like that. It just can help you talk through what happened if you want to or look for referrals or even to understand um, what you might be eligible for or need in the next steps in your healing and recovery.
thanks for joining Pathways to Resilience, an initiative of Community Solutions. For more information, visit us at www.communitysolutions.org.